Welcome to the WCIA 3-in-1 podcast. Brett Barron's here in the studio once again with Marley Weirda and Craig Schott, both reporting from home. Guys, how are we doing? I feel like we've kind of settled into this new normal now of working from home, although I have not been at home. I've been here in the studio pretty much the whole time. So are you guys adjusting now? Do you feel like this is just kind of a new normal? Yeah, I feel like the novelty of everything has kind of worn off the first couple of weeks you know, when we were home, I was like, okay, this is great. I can be in my pajamas. And then now it's what week five. And I'm kind of like, okay, time, time for a change. Yeah. I was just talking to Marley before we started, how things are going to, how the normal is going to change after this all clears up. Like, cause I feel like for the most part, everything's going so well or the best that it can. So how much is it going to change after all of this Corona and COVID stuff goes away. Like how more, how much more are we going to use technology as like we are now, but things are going to be normal where we can go out and do everything. I think it's going to change a lot. And for me, I, I think Craig, you would probably agree with this. The last couple of years we've been working together has been more than a couple now. Heck time flies, doesn't it? But you know, we're, we always put a premium on production value and wanting things to look and sound the best. And I think that's going to continue whenever we can get it. But if there's an instance where, you know, we talked to uh, Nick Allegretti like we did, or you talked to Ted Karras or, you know, some other people that distance keeps us away. Why not do a Zoom interview? Why not get that face in there? And for the teleconferences, like with Brad Underwood, and we're going to chat about that. He talked to the media on Thursday. We all three of us in the department were a part of that. Why not do that? Let's see the face. I think it's just more personal anyway. So uh, I think there's going to be some big changes, you know, just in the media terms after that. And you know, for me, I'm kind of a media nerd anyway. You know, I, I think it's going to certainly be different, but we'll see. That's all yet to come. And we're still, quote unquote, in the middle of this new normal and this pandemic of coronavirus and COVID-19. All right. A lot coming up here on the WCIA 3-in-1 podcast. want to talk about Adam Miller. want to talk about Brad Underwood and his remarks. Just an update on the program. Chatted with him for about 50 minutes on Thursday. Uh, let's talk about the IHSA as well coming out this week and saying that the state tournaments are canceled. And at this point, the seasons are all over. We can chat about whether the IHSA is still holding out hope and thinking that, hey, maybe they can play a couple of games. We'll see. And then also our thoughts on the NFL draft. And let's just briefly touch on that first. Marley, how you feeling last night about the Dolphins pick and, and where they go? Had a couple of picks in the first round. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have I really wouldn't consider myself a Dolphins fan. I did grow up in South Florida and I grew up going to Dolphins fans, but I never was like very much tied to the fan base. Um, just cause I feel like I watched more college football when I was younger, but now I am, I'm going to dust off the Miami Dolphins Jersey that I wore like once in the third grade. It's coming out of the closet. Um, I think like Tua is a, is a good investment for them. Obviously he's had some injuries and all that, but the Dolphins have needed a quarterback for, for quite some time, and if he can deliver, which I hope he does, it'll be fun um, to watch, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hop right back on that Miami Dolphins bandwagon. And the local connection, Craig, is that Ted Karras is going to be snapping the ball to Tua. There always seems to be a local connection there back to Illinois or Central Illinois in some way. What would you make of Tua Tagovailoa going to Miami? I think it makes sense. Like Marley said, they, uh, they need a name. They need a face for the franchise that has been through so many quarterbacks uh, since, uh, I think we said Dan Marino was the last consistent <laughs> that they had. So, yeah, they needed a face there. Um, 
I'm no expert. I'm not an NFL expert. I'm not a health expert, but the hips and the injuries scare me with Tua. But if you can get him at five where I think they got him, that's a pretty good value for what Nick Saban says, the best quarterback he's ever had. Yeah, I think he's... And Austin Clark is down in uh, Miami, too. That's another, I guess, Illinois tie. I almost forgot about him since I feel like it's been so long since we've touched on, I guess, Illinois football. But I guess a lot of uh, connections we got down in Florida. Yeah, that's true. And you're our biggest connection to that. So, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> how's the weather down there right now? I, I'm guessing it's decent, you know. This time of year is like when it starts to get like really warm and humid. It's on it like people think summers or I guess like spring in Florida is nice, but it kind of can get yucky and mosquito-y, especially if you're, you know, in the swampy areas as I am. Well, I used to be. <laughs> now you're in Champaign, you know, from the swamp to upstate New York to Illinois, you know, it's a great trajectory. Yeah. I don't know if it's improving there at all, but, but you know, it's, it's all good. It's on this crazy thing called life where, where it takes us. All right, let's jump into Adam Miller here. And look, I did not know when or if he was going to sign a national letter of intent. And he does that on Wednesday, a week after the signing period opens and after all this silence, guys, he just comes out and says, hey, I'm signing at 3.15 today, and it's just as simple as that. Craig, were you, A, surprised that he did sign, and then were you surprised that it was with Illinois? Uh, I'm not surprised it was with Illinois. Um, but, yeah, just I, I was off yesterday, um, and I just saw a tweet, like, hey, I'm signing at 3.30. I was like, whoa. Where did this come from? <laughs> like, out, literally, out of nowhere, um, like two or three hours before the signing, he tweeted that he was going to do it. And um, I think it caught most people off guard. It just goes to show that with recruiting, you just never know what's going to happen or when it's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I, I was surprised, but I'm not surprised that he signed with Illinois. I thought he was going to stick with the commitment. Um, it, uh, but I thought it was going to take longer. I, thought, I really thought he was going to wait and see what Io did. Um, but I still had a good feeling he was going to come to Illinois. Marley, he said there was outside factors in that. What did you make of that comment? And I guess it goes to show that recruiting is so fluid, it never truly ends. And also, to your point in your question to Brad Underwood, you asked him specifically, were you pushing for Adam to sign? And did you ever have any doubts that he would sign with Illinois? Yeah, because I think there was, you know, that big question mark from the fan base. Um, you know, he's like, I'm 110% committed, but I'm not signing yet. So I think that just that raised a lot of red flags as to, okay, if you really are 110% committed, you know, why haven't you signed yet? And that's kind of why I asked Brad Underwood that question, you know, like, okay, there was a lot of um, – this, these question marks coming from the fan base, like, did you know, did you have any conversations with him about his decision or, or were you patient with him or did you kind of want to, to push him to do so? Um, and he was like, oh, there was never a doubt in my mind, which I don't know if I uh, believe entirely. Um, but yeah, those outside influences, I mean, I think it could have been anything um, with with Io coming back or maybe even another school making a better offer. Um and I think he, he maybe didn't get the, the signing ceremony that he maybe have wanted. I feel like uh, some of these basketball players, they love the, the glitz and the glamour. I mean, he announced his commitment at the Jordan store with, you know, hundreds of people, I take it, that were there. I mean, Brett, you were there. Um, 
and for him to do it over a Zoom call maybe wasn't um, how he expected it to go. Yeah, and he wanted the fanfare, and that's fine. You know, you got to give the kid this moment, and that's great. You know, I'm happy that he did have that moment, even though it was a little bit weird, and it was a first for me. Seems like a lot of firsts in this business are on recruiting stories because they're just so fluid. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. And there's always twists and turns, it seems like, with Illinois, especially at the last moment, dating back to Cliff Alexander. I'd only been working here a couple of months and really got a firsthand experience into how this recruiting thing works at a, at a high major level with Cliff Alexander when he picked up uh, the Illinois hat, then set it down and, and put the Kansas hat on. And it seemed like Illinois Nation just flipped out on Twitter that day. That's going to be something I'll never forget in my career. But, you know, uh, Illinois, I feel like, has a lot of scars, so to speak, about finishing runner-up, whether it's Jalen Brunson or whether it's Quentin Snyder committing and then pulling out last minute or Cliff Alexander or you name it. There have been some positives. I mean, remember, guys, Mark Smith, Craig, that got pretty hairy at the end, and he did pick Illinois. So I don't think there's, it's just like all negative, but this is certainly a win for Brad Underwood and his staff because – you got the best player in the state, the Illinois Mr. Basketball winner, the two-time Gatorade Player of the Year, and there was some drama. But, hey, when you're recruiting top 50 players, there's going to be drama. I mean, it's just how this works, right? Yeah, exactly right. And the fact that he's from Illinois, he went to Morgan Park, but even the fact that he's from Peoria, where he went to school for um, the start of his um, high school. I think he was freshman, right? Didn't he play his freshman year at Manual? Yeah, which is one year there. Yeah, but uh, the fact that he's from Peoria, where Illinois has had such a good relationship, um, strengthens the fact that Adam just continues that tradition, the Peoria pipeline, as people call it, uh, the Sergio McLeans and, and all of those names, that DeMonte Williams, that um, come from Peoria. Um, but yeah, it gives Illinois a, a top recruiting class in early in Brad Underwood's tenure. And this is two out of three years that he's, or is that right? Two out of three years he's got Mr. Basketball? Yeah, with Mark Smith in 17, and then, you know, here, uh, I guess it would have been the class of 18. But, you know, that he's he's gotten two Mr. Basketballs, and that hasn't happened in a long time for Illinois. Yeah, yeah. so um, Brad Underwood's starting out really strong with this recruiting, and a lot of credit goes to his assistants. Um, uh, Chen Coleman has done really well in Chicago. Orlando Antigua has done really well in New York with Curbelo and Kofi, and, and so they got a good staff there that really bringing in the guys that Illinois wants and building the program how they want in the right way. Yeah, and I think, Craig, to go off that too, something that really stuck out to me um, in the press conference yesterday is that Brad Underwood said, he's like, now we're not so much filling scholarships as we are building relationships, which I think is like a very good point to make because when you're first taking over a program, you know, you're just trying to, to – fill the spots but now it's more of that relationship building which is probably why he's you know achieved you know a top 20 recruiting class in in the country yeah and that's just part of the process too i think right i mean i asked him specifically the brad underwood about how much he's raised the floor of his program in recruiting and i think that's uh an undeniable part of it and the big question mark we had Craig when he was hired was can he recruit because he hadn't done it really at a high major level just that one year at Oklahoma State and you know he may have signed one class in there but once again 
You didn't have relationships at a high major level to sign multiple classes. And we saw it at Illinois that first year. I mean, look at those players where in, in that first class, you know, a Greg Eboig Bodine or Matisse Vasile, or the list goes on and on there about guys that they sign that are either a no longer with none of those guys are with the program. Right. I mean, that didn't pan out here and you even had it in a couple of classes after. And so I think the floor has certainly been raised where Illinois is a legit contender now in the big 10. And you have to give Brad and his staff credit for that. Yeah. That first class in 2017 had Mark Smith, Greggy Boyd-Bedeen, Matisse Vasile, but then also Trent Frazier and Demonte Williams. So it was one of those classes where you just kind of take some guys and you know that some of them are going to leave, but you hope that the guys that stay are able to lay that foundation, which Trent and DeMonte have now done. And then that 2018 class, it was a seven-person class. And right now, Georgie's the only player left from that class. Now, Io is in that class, but he's probably going to the NBA. So those first two classes, that's a full team right there, and only three players are still on the roster. So like Marley said, and, and I agree, I, I like what Brad said and how he described it yesterday was those first, especially that first class, you are, you are filling a roster. And then once you get that, then you can develop your culture and develop your team. And that's where they're at now. And they're getting top 50 players uh, on a regular basis. This is three years now in a row that they've had top 50, top 30 players, which is really, really impressive. So, Craig, count that. I think that- we talked about this a little bit last week, but um, the fact that Kofi and Io are leaving or potentially leaving could ultimately help them on the recruiting trail in the sense that, hey, you know, we're developing these players that are that are going to the draft, which I think that's ultimately every, every college kids or every basketball player's dream. You know, when you're a kid growing up playing basketball, like you want to go to the NBA and if, you know, Brad Underwood can position it like, hey, here at Illinois, you know, we're developing these guys um, to go on to the next level, then I think that's going to um, definitely attract some some top-level players. I want to get back to that in just a moment, Craig, but or Marley. But, Craig, tell me this. You got that open right there. Trent Frazier yeah. was already coming here. He was already committed. So was DeMonte. So I'm not going to count those guys into Brad. He certainly had to keep them, and you got to give sure. Brad credit for that. But I believe they were coming here no matter what. So – if you just count those other guys in there, from what I remember you saying just a couple of minutes ago, there's nobody left that Brad and his staff recruited from those first two classes. Is that right? If you take out Trent and DeMonte. Okay, so take out Trent and DeMonte. Mark Smith is gone. Eboy Bunning gone. Basile gone. That was the 2017 class. Yep, that's the first one. 2018 was Io, as of now, gone. Tevian gone. Alan Griffin, gone. Samba Kane, gone. Andres <laughs> And Anthony Higgs, gone. Georgie, okay. from 2018. So you have to think that three of those guys panned out out of how many? 11, 12? Right? Because Io, Andres, and Georgie are their hits, right? So that hit rate for the first two classes is pretty low. I'm not going to say that's unusual because... Brad said that, you know, look, you can't develop relationships. I mean, you're just filling spots at that point. But that goes to show to his point that if they can keep some of these guys, and the talent is certainly upgraded big time, but if they can keep some of these guys around or promote them to the draft or whatever it may be, now all of a sudden you're building a culture and a program for the long term and looking at it from a macro angle 
I'm way more encouraged from what they're doing than from a micro of like, oh my gosh, what might happen if Io and Kofi both leave the world's ending Illinois basketball sucks again? You know, I, I just, I can't buy into that mindset that my phone, you know, once Kofi declared and once Io declared is like, oh, Illinois is back to being terrible. Well, no. I mean, now it's just a matter of go get the next guy. You know, I, I don't really buy into the mindset of, and Marley, like you said, those things will help. Absolutely, that will help. I mean, Illinois is getting into some more recruiting battles that they wouldn't have been in under John Gross because Gross didn't win. You know, I mean, you saw it the first couple of years with John when they made the tournament the first year and that propelled them, but that got stale pretty quick. And the fact that John was even in some of those battles with a Jalen Brunson or whatever a couple of years after making the tournament, I think says a lot. But ultimately, he couldn't close the deal because those players wanted to see success. They wanted to see winning. And so I see it as a positive. Hey, if Kofi goes to the draft this year, that may hurt for this coming season. But I think it's only going to help long term. And I think, Brett, you, you bring up this point a lot. It's the, you know, do you need good recruits to win or do you need to win to bring in good recruits. And I think right now, Illinois is kind of in a happy medium with that situation in the sense that, okay, they got, you know, Kofi this year, they did well, you know, they got some wins, obviously coronavirus uh, kind of messed things up a little bit, but now they kind of have the wins. They can build on that foundation. And I think even Brad Underwood said in his press conference too, he's like, before I was, I was selling just, just a vision and now it's, it's becoming more of a reality. Um, so I think that um, can only help. I mean, it's the chicken and the egg, right? Which comes first? How, yeah. do, how do you win without recruits and how do you get recruits without winning? And I don't have the answer to that. That's the age-old question. But, you know, Craig, where do you feel like in terms of a macro sense that Illinois is at right now in the recruiting? Illinois needs to get some players in the NBA. They have one right now. Um, the last player drafted from Illinois is Myers Leonard 2013, 2012. 2012. Well, yeah, it would have been, uh, yeah, 2012. 2012. He's yeah. the last player drafted, but Kendrick Nunn's in the NBA. I mean, they have a couple of players in the NBA. It's just they haven't had a player drafted since 12, and that's an issue. Yeah. So uh, as much as it would hurt for uh, for Illini Nation and the fans to see Io or Kofi not come back, it would be good for the program to get them into the NBA, and they'll both be there eventually. Um, maybe some are thinking it's too soon now. They'll both be there, but. Um, but, yeah, it, they need them to go to the NBA. It might hurt the roster for next year. You know, I think Kofi's more important to come back now um, than Io. I think um, you can't find another Kofi, and not that you can't find another Io, but you can you can fill Io's role easier than filling Kofi's role, a 7-foot, 300-pound kid. So they need Kofi to come back. But even if he doesn't, um, the, the program can survive. They just need to start showing recruits that they can get you to the NBA and Io and Kofi need to start that maybe this year. And I think that's where the Io commitment and Io coming here and then coming back for a second year really pays dividends for your program. I mean, when you look back at Broad Underwood's tenure 10 years from now, I think Io committing at the Jordan store a couple of years ago in November and then coming back for a second year and submitting himself as, you know, what he hopes to be an NBA draft pick and then certainly you know, move, moving on and, and leaving his legacy here, I think that will be the single most important part of Brad Underwood's tenure in terms of getting it off the ground, you know, and that's where you just have to start stacking talent. You've got to start adding to it, and that's where Orlando Antigua and Shin Coleman have played huge roles in that, and Stephen Gentry, 
you know, with going out and getting his first player for 2021 and, and really setting the bar for him and Luke Goody, I think is important. But, you know, for me, when I look back on this, ideally, if it all goes right for Underwood, that IO commitment and, and coming here and then coming back for another year, I think is going to be the single most turning point moment for Underwood. All right, let's continue on here. <laughs> this is like the MB- this is like the NFL draft last night where I got real awkward with Trey Wingo a couple of times. He's like, ah, no, we don't have that. We're moving on. The power of technology, you just never know. This, you know, non-face-to-face kind of thing, it's just uh, it gets a little awkward sometimes. But we're, we're making it here. Uh, what other takeaways did you guys have from Brad Underwood's time with the media on Zoom on Thursday? Not all at once here, guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me, I'm going back into the log and seeing what um, – oh, I think it was interesting um, just in the sense of, like, Adam Miller coming to Illinois is going to kind of be compared to Io. You know, like, he's almost – like, no one, no one wants to be that. No one wants to be the new Io. No one wants to be – the new Kofi and I think like part of him um coming to Illinois and like wanting Io to essentially be gone is for him to to essentially build his own legacy without feeling like he's going to be um you know the the new Io I don't like remember entirely what Brad Underwood said about that but it was uh you know something something along those lines and that they do have have their differences but yet again he is going to be another one of those players that likely will uh you know impact the team and and the league as a freshman yeah jeremy warner from 24 7 sports asked brad about you know comparing the two players and and how they're different and they are different i mean io is a, a slasher get to the bucket guy i think adam's a tremendous shooter and i think he's going to really show that and help the shooting on this team which was not good last year and so that's where you hope that Trent comes back around and in with Carbello addition you can you know get some more shooters and, and people around certainly losing Alan Griffin hurts that your best three-point shooter last year but you know they're different players they're going to be compared because they both played for Morgan Park you know and they both had a shot to you know win Mr. Basketball I did not win that award but you know uh, they're going to be compared forever but they're, they're way different players, and I think once Alana fans see Adam on the court, then they'll, they'll start to understand that, that they're different. Uh, Craig, what did you make of Adam saying that Io played no part in his decision to sign or, or come here? If it wasn't that, I don't know what, what else delayed his in signing. Um, and, I mean, from everything that I've heard from – other people and everyone in the media seemed to think something was up. And it was the fact that he played so much with IO. He didn't want to share again, but it never made sense to me. Cause like he said yesterday, they played together. So they've done it before. So unless there was some kind of beef between the two, I wasn't really sure why, but that's kind of the assumption that I made based on what everyone else said. So, um, I don't know. He can say what he, he says and that's what we have to go with until someone else tells us different. Right, and you got to take him for his word, right? If that's what he says, that's what he says. You can believe whatever you want into that. It made sense to me, though, 
that he wanted a chance to shoot the ball. He wanted a chance to have a role on this team, and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think Io and Adam dislike each other. I think they're both in each other's court, and that's just part of sports, right? There's only so many shots that can be taken in a game. There's only so many people that can handle the ball. I don't think there's anything wrong with Adam coming out and saying, I want a role in a spot on this team where I know I can succeed. Now, maybe some people would view that as selfish or whatever else. I just view that as part of sports and recruiting. Like you want a spot, you know, and that's where I think Illinois is in a tough spot with Kofi because they, how can they go sell a five man to, to a recruit if they don't know if Kofi's coming back? I mean, Marley, do you want to go play on a college team? If you know, there's another freshman outside or whatever, that's right there. You're, that you're going to compete with now every every coach is going to promote competition sure but like you want a chance to succeed right yep absolutely i mean i went to a program where they were in need of my position granted like things ended up changing because we had a, a coaching staff change and we got like a couple transfers and all that but you know you want to go somewhere where you're wanted essentially and I think that's just like a big part of any kind of student making their their college decision you know and I think this is like on a whole different tangent but like why so many kids gun for like yes I want to go to a high major d1 well if you're not that kind of player don't go there because they're never gonna give you what you want you're never gonna be there to to go and really impact a program granted there's some cases where that happens but I think you want to go where there's a role for you and where you're going to have the ability to, to do what you want and, and contribute in the way that, that you see fit. And like I said, we'll have to take Adam's word because that's what he said. And, you know, I have no reason to believe otherwise, but uh, I just my thoughts all along on this pinpointed, to, you know, he wanted to see what Iowa was going to do. And he admitted that he, he sat back and watched Iowa this year. And I think that played a huge part in him wanting to come here is that Iowa showed that he can do it. Iowa was the front runner in terms of picking Illinois and staying home and trying to get Illinois back on the map. And Iowa's been the leader in that all along. And if Iowa doesn't succeed or has, you know, a different course of action here, or if he leads, leaves after last year, I don't know if Adam feels the same way. And, and that's why I think that Iowa commitment and coming back was so important at least for the short term and and maybe the long term of of getting illinois basketball back on the right track all right let's talk some ihsa now and they announced on tuesday that all spring sport tournaments are now canceled and it only makes sense to me that the rest of the seasons are going to be gone as well as governor pritzker announced that the stay-at-home order now goes through the end of may and so uh, look, we're still holding out hope here, I guess, that they can maybe go play a game or maybe get some kind of practice in or senior night or whatever it may be. But, uh, you know, what was your guys' reaction to the IHSA's announcement waiting until Tuesday and then the inevitable that, hey, this this is not going to work this year? Yeah, I think it was um, a long time coming. Uh, I think it's the you know, decision that we all expected, but they did say that, you know, there was the opportunity um, of, you know, schools allowing um, a couple games or hosting a couple things, just a limited amount. But I think, not that that's irresponsible on the IHSA's part, but I think it just, it just gives false hope because we've already seen so many schools just say outright, you know, we're not um, going to allow any games for the rest of the year. And I think that's, that's just important for closure, um, you know, whether 
I don't know. I just don't think it's fair to say, okay, yes, like maybe we'll allow a couple games if it's safe. When in reality, I think we all know that that's really not going to be a possibility, especially with this stay at home order pushed until what is the end of May. Um, I think, you know, it would have just been so much better for the IHSA to say, hey, the state tournaments are canceled, you know, no more games the rest of the year, rip the bandaid off. And then, you know, if the schools want to want to organize something to to honor the seniors, like a like a parade or a ceremony or something or just kind of a, a symbolic game, if it's safe, that's fine. But I just think, I don't know, they should have just ripped off the bandaid altogether. Yeah, this has been what we've expected for four weeks, three weeks now. We've talked about it on every podcast that this is what was going to happen, but it doesn't suck any less. Um, like I've said before, those those NCAA athletes, the NCAA can grant them their extra year of eligibility if they want it, but that, that can't happen with these IHSA kids. And I know we've talked to a lot of kids that were expecting to, to make some noise in the postseason, especially – in their senior year and they're heartbroken and some of them are going to play college. So they're not, their careers aren't done. But for those that, um, that aren't going to go play their sport in college, this really, really has to hurt. I mean, cause some of them might've played a spring game, but most of them, their season ended without them even knowing at the time. Um, cause they were holding out hope. Um, so I feel for all of them, I understand completely how the IHSA handled it. It might seem on the surface that um, they were just delaying the inevitable, which they were. Like, I don't think anyone really thought they were going to play, but I think they handled it well as just, they're just delaying until they at the last possible moment. Um, because what if next week or in three weeks from now, we find out that everything's good to go and, and then they can um, continue or they can't have their postseason and then they're like, well, we've already canceled everything. Um, we made a too early decision. So I understand why they were doing it. It didn't seem like it was the right decision and a lot of people probably don't think it's the right way to handle it, but but I understood how they... Yeah, and I think there's understanding there for sure, Craig. I also come in Unit 4 in Tuscola for having some leadership and just saying, look, guys, like, this is it. You know, we're not going to do anything else. Everything has been canceled uh, from a national perspective and international perspective. Uh, we're, it's just not worth it, you know. And so Unit 4 in Tuscola, and I'm sure a couple other schools as well around our around our area just said, yeah, you know what, we're just ripping this thing off and it's going to be done and we're not going to even provide any more hope in that sense. And, and I get that as well. That's a realistic part of life sometimes is that it doesn't go the way you think it, sh- it is going to go or planned or – the way it should go but you know at least in my eyes for those schools at those uh, those players at those schools they they just ripped it off and said look sorry i mean it's, it's just not worth it and i think for me craig uh while i agree with you in part the numbers have shown in the curve that this is not going to just go away like there's we're not at 20 deaths a day in, in our state you know we're we're adding 2,000 cases a day you know like it just the numbers to me and the science don't show and I'm not trying to be an expert here by any means but you know when there's 1,500 to 2,500 new cases every single day you know the reality of that to me just is not going to happen uh what'd you make Craig of those schools just coming out and saying ah yeah this this is we don't care what the IHSA, IHSA says this is going to be it yeah, I totally agree. I, 
I mean, um, and I'm not sure what to make of why the IHSA even said that. Um, I, I feel like you just, if you just, like, kind of like Marley said, just rip the Band-Aid off. Just, just cancel it off. Like, to leave it open-ended um, is giving the kids maybe a sense of false hope. Because, like you said, the numbers aren't improving. Um, so, I mean, if the, if the Olympics are canceled uh, here this summer, uh, how can anything else happen? I mean, that's a worldwide event. So, um, so yeah, I agree with Tuscola Unit 4. Uh, I don't think they would have been put in that situation to have to decide if they were going to play. But uh, good, good call for Champagne and Tuscola. Yeah. And I think, too, like, I understand totally with IHSA needing to cancel, you know, the state tournament, because there's obviously a lot of, you know, logistics that would go into that and a lot of money and whatever and staffing and whatever it may be for it. But then to leave it open-ended and saying, okay, yeah, but you can play a couple games, maybe, is like, yeah, it's like this false hope. I would so much rather them come out and say, okay, yes, the season is canceled. And then let's say in a, a couple months, you know, we're, we're able to go and, and socialize again and, and gather in, in larger groups, then how hard is it for, you know, Central and Centennial to be like, hey, let's hold a symbolic game to, to honor our seniors. I feel like I, just to cut it off and say, okay, the season's canceled, and then to, to have something after if it's, if it's safe. But just, like, holding out and waiting and waiting. At, like, at some point, it's going to be too long to wait for some of these kids. And, and you know, you're going to want to move on and, and get closure and, and end your, your high school career and just close that chapter in the book. So I, the waiting game is, I think, just what bothers me about it. Yeah, and it's tough, right, because proms are canceled, graduation parties are canceled. I mean, I think back to graduating high school or college or whatever it may be, and it's such a celebratory part of life. You know, those are moments that you're you're truly never going to forget, and when you can look back and reflect and be really happy or proud or whatever it may be of your career and life to that point, and all those things are on hold, but at some point, you can't hold them anymore. You know, the moment has passed. We only get a short window of, of opportunity and moments in our life. And, and once they're gone, they're gone. And I feel terrible for that. But the reality is, is that just where we're at in our world right now, you know, and it's man, I mean, the list just goes on, right? It's more than prom. It's more than just a graduation ceremony. It's the parties. It's the hanging out with friends for the last time. You know, I think of high school and like how truly monumental those few moments were or weeks or the summer last summer before college starts. And even if you had close friends that stayed around and went to community college or whatever it may be, you know, you truly go your separate ways. I mean, everyone starts life anew, so to speak. Once you graduate high school and those moments and in, in time and the friendships you had and the experiences and good and bad, right? I mean, I feel like it's, it's almost starting a fresh slate so to speak and so i feel terrible for those kids i mean you know there's just it's so much more than athletics and and uh it's just it's just a tough spot to be in but that's part of the reason too i wanted to start our senior send-off moment here and and segment on wcia and you know everyone has these across the country i mean scott van pelt i felt did a great job with with his senior night stuff and you know giving our athletes a chance to be seen and it's some athletes too that maybe normally wouldn't have been seen or on those stages. And so, uh, we've, we've really enjoyed that. And I'm putting those together. Uh, we got a hundred plus pictures just in the first night. We, we opened it up to people and we'll continue to ask to send pictures in, 
you know, and we're going to do that over the next four, four to six weeks, you know, as, as May wraps up and, and we get into June, you know, but I, I really just wanted to honor those kids. Uh, and especially the ones that, you know, maybe would have been a, just a role player on a team like Tuscola, you know, I mean, we all know about Logan Tabling and Lucas Krasine and, you know, the Tuscola kids, Mitch Hemmen and uh, Mitch Hardick and all those kind of guys. But there's so many more players out there that maybe don't get those moments or that opportunity. So uh, for me, I, I really wanted to, to shine a light on them for that. Absolutely. And they deserve it. And I hope, you know, this situation doesn't extend too far into the summer to where they'll be able to have some kind of, of symbolic or ceremony or something because those are the moments that, that you live for, you know, your your senior night or whatever it may be, graduation, and I hope, you know, there's some kind of celebration that they'll be able to have, you know, just if they're an athlete or, or a high school student or something that they just get because I, I think being a high school student in this whole situation might be just about the worst because I don't know I think us as as adults you know we're not really losing a whole lot except for our our day-to-day things but this is such a important time in your life and everyone remembers your high school graduation and your last you know football game or volleyball game whatever it may be so it's uh it's heartbreaking right and being on tv for go ahead Craig you know, there are times where, I mean, we cover a lot of stuff in this job from college to high school. And there are sometimes those days where you're like, man, I don't want to go to this school at 3.30 for this high school baseball or softball game. Or I don't want to spend eight hours at Eastern Illinois covering the track tournaments, uh, track state finals. I don't think any of us are going to take those days for granted anymore. I, I think all three of us would give anything to be able to be out there as much as maybe we didn't want to in the past, I think anybody in sports media that covers high school sports is not going to think that anymore after this, after missing out on a full spring schedule. Um, it's fun getting out there and seeing those high school kids. So um, we're, we're looking forward to getting back out there, I'm sure. Yeah, and for me, it's just been a little bit of self-reflection of how busy we are in May and how different this May is going to look. Because May's probably are second or third busiest month you know in in this business because you have so much going on in a short amount of time you know november is definitely the busiest month of the year but may's up there you know pretty high especially the last couple of weeks of may with state track for boys and girls baseball and softball regionals girls soccer illinois baseball and softball in the postseason wrapping up there uh regular season and then getting into tournament play big 10 and ncaa's and then you've got men's golf as well at Illinois. So there's a ton going on in a short amount of time. And I think I'm going to miss that busy because for me, and I don't know how you guys feel, but for me, I like being busy. You know, it means there's content. It means there's good stuff going on. It's fun to cover. It's it's fun to bring that to our audience of the state track meet. And, and Craig, you're right. I mean, while it may seem monotonous or, you know, it's really hot in Charleston on the track or whatever it may be, like those are the moments that I take a lot of pride in in this job because we're bringing content to our audience. And, and those are memories that those kids are going to have for a lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I mean, how have you guys uh, felt about just I know, the, I, the... I always say, like, I would so much rather be busy than bored 
and right now I'm kind of just trying to to keep busy. So I'm kind I'm I'm on the same page. You know, I like to be up and at it and running from from one game to another and you know it makes makes the days go by and and it's fun and exciting especially during you know the postseason time and and getting to cover um you know those events i know craig like you said sometimes it's like a drag if you know we have to drive like an hour and a half away and it's cold and rainy and we don't want to go out and film but it's at the end of the day it's it's fun and i think it's what we all like to do and and not to have it right now is just very odd yeah those saturdays here in the spring seasons where one of us would be at state track for the finals and then the other two would try and get to four or five high school baseball or softball regional finals or sectional finals and then one of us gets gets back and then tries to throw the whole show together and it's right down to the last minute i mean deadlines are not our friends a lot of the times but that's part of the fun of the job is getting getting all these games and getting it all done and and watching and presenting it on air and then looking back and be like, man, we we crushed it, you know? Yeah, and those are things that it's going to look a lot different this May, you know, and I think those last couple of weeks of May when we would have state track or whatever it have been, and, and state track certainly not my favorite. I don't know how you guys feel because it's, it's usually hot or raining or a combination of the two or there's delays or whatever it may be or deadlines are an issue. Uh, but I'm I'm gonna miss that, you know. I'm gonna miss the busyness of what May always brings. And then on top of that, you know, when the calendar flips and we get past basketball and it starts to get nice outside and whatever else, you know, it, just that kind of excitement again of, hey, we had to push towards, you know, basketball and NCAA tournament. What's that for Illinois, right? Uh, what what it would have been for this year and the excitement of that Big Ten tournament, and then you know making the big dance and all of that. And then for me, April's kind of slow, but then we get into this May and it's like, oh yeah, here we go again. You know, like the last push before summertime and where, you know, we all take our vacations and it kind of really slows down in the sports department. But I it's just a weird time in that sense. And I'm already kind of dreading that downtime. You know, I'm dreading that missing it of like, well, okay, well, it's just another feature story today or whatever else. And I don't mean that in a negative way of like, oh, we're just telling another story. You know what I mean? But like, just the highlight-driven busyness of, of what we do is is going to be weird, but it's in the times that we are, and and uh, we'll we'll be here to cover it the best that we can, and and uh, continue to hopefully tell some compelling stories along the way of, of people that you know are, are trying to deal with this and, and how they're keeping sports in their life and and the stories that you know maybe we should have been told and telling during uh, state track, state baseball, uh, Illinois baseball, Illinois softball, you name it, down the list. So, uh, you know, guys, it's. It's a crazy world we live in right now, and we're all trying to figure out a new normal. And, and as we settle into what this normal is looking like and what it's been for the last six weeks, uh, I just hope that everyone continues to stay well and, and do their part to flatten this curve so we can get back to normal as quick as possible. And, and hopefully we can get college football back this fall and uh, maybe Major League Baseball comes back this year. I don't know. I mean, any, any final thoughts, guys, as we uh, wrap up here about where we're at and where we're headed? Yeah, I just we can only we can only hope for the best. Positive vibes only. I think golf will be back soon. They said that they they released their schedule. I think golf can continue during all this. Um, but other than that, I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. I can see tennis coming back. I mean, that is minimal contact. Yeah, it's those are individual sports. Yeah. I'd love to see golf come back and the players have to carry their own bag. 
Yeah, yes. she said no caddies. No, no push carts either. I Biggest mean, pet peeve. I hate that in college golf where you're, like you're a college athlete and you have a push cart. Yep. That drives me yep. nuts. What is that? I don't know. Whatever. I hope the golf course. We should get, we should get push carts for our, our camera and tripod when we go shoot. Now, so that would be helpful. That I'd be all right with. I got a golf cart. I got a golf cart this year at at girls um at the girls state golf tournament. What? I got a cart. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> How did that happen, Craig? Have you ever got a I cart at state golf? Oh yeah. Man, you I'm. Go to the clubhouse. Ask for one. You just got to finesse a little bit. Apparently, I have no finesse. I am completely missing out on this. We're dripping in finesse. Hey, I see what you did there. I see what you did. Actually, I I literally am dripping. I cut myself shaving today, and it's not stopped bleeding for like three hours. I may have a problem. I'm not really sure. (laughs) I haven't shaved for a week. Uh, I don't know if you can tell on the Zoom here, Craig, but, you know. Perks of working from home during the week. There you go. It's not a bad not a bad place to be. But uh, I'm going to go tend to my lip here before the newscast. Hopefully I'm not dripping blood all over the desk here for you, leaving it for you tomorrow, Craig. But, uh, you know, it's, it's all good. All right, that's going to do it here. You guys got anything else? That's it. Silence. The sounds of silence. The sounds of tears rolling down our eyes because there are no sports. I said stay safe. Stay safe. I like it. All right. That's all I got, guys. Thanks for jumping on here in your apartments. For Craig Schote, Marley Weirda, I'm Brett Behrens here in the studio. We'll do it again next week, except I won't be here. I'm going to be on vacation. Craig and Marley, they'll hold it down next Friday on the 3-in-1 podcast. Thanks for listening. Be safe. Be well.